Arsenal take down both Burnley and Tottenham. North London is red, and we are here to talk all things red in and on the Going Going Gooner podcast, episode 47, part one. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to, to the, the Going Going Gooner podcast. For nothing today. The, the plain and simple truth is that we suck. So clearly, Alvin listened to the episode. No, he did. I have no doubt. What makes you think more instability is what this club needs right now? Most likely, we'll make one of the best Netflix documentaries since Firefest. The Going Going Gooner podcast is brought to you by your party station, Z89. Welcome back to the Going Going Gooner podcast. Arjun, North London is red. And what a way to do it. I mean, just incredible. Arsenal defeated Tottenham this weekend 3-1. We were out last week, no podcast last week, so we feel remiss to mention that Arsenal defeated Burnley as well 1-0. A beautiful Martin Odegaard free kick. It was... Escaped with a win. Ooh, what a, a beautiful Martinelli free kick as... Or Martinelli free... I wish Martinelli free kick. Martin Odegaard free kick. Martin, got mixed up there. Uh, Martin Odegaard free kick, showing why we bought him... Showing why he's our center attacking midfielder, because he's so darn good at what he does. Um, a free kick uh, over the wall, into the top corner. It wasn't the, the farthest in the corner it could have been, but it was far enough in. The keeper stood no chance for Burnley, and it got us the one to victory, as you said. And then, in Central London Derby, we went this weekend. Uh, we both, obviously, did not, were not able to record an episode to preview the episode, preview the episode, preview the match. Uh, we both were sick and were not able to record. And we had grand plans for the episode. We had a guest lined up who will come on at some point another time to discuss Spurs with us. Um, but Arjun, London is red, and it was not a 1-0 to the Arsenal victory. It was an actual, like, victory victory for and, Arsenal. And it felt so, so good. And the first 45 minutes of this match were some of the was some of the best Arsenal football, maybe not from a quality standpoint, but just from a feel-good standpoint that I've seen in a long, long time. I mean, Arsenal came out of the gates firing. The Emirates was rocking. Just some of the loudest I've heard that stadium in a, in a bit as well. And Arjun, if I can say, what was the final score of this match? It was 3-1. 3-1 to who? The Arsenal. There was the Arsenal. Is Arsenal what? What's Arsenal's color? Oh, we're red. We're red. So is North London white? No. No. It's North, red. Lo- North London was never white. Is not white, and will never be white. And and I think really it, I it wish showed, I could swear right now. I it, wish I could. <laughs> it, it, it shows the levels because I mean Tottenham. Their start to the season was far better than ours. I mean we. We lost our first three games, uh, conceded, I believe, nine goals in the process, and Tottenham had won their first three, only scoring three goals, but but their performance against Manchester City, which we talked about a few weeks ago, was stellar. Perfect tactics from Nuno Espirito Santo, and, and then uh, two more 1-0 victories, I believe. One was over Wolves, and the other, I think, was over Brighton, if I'm not mistaken. But Tottenham, after that just have looked a little shaky after the international break. Uh, they Their last match was a 3-0 loss to Crystal Palace. So coming into this one, we were I was feeling confident because this Arsenal team is now gelling together. Everyone is back healthy. Everybody was fit for this match. 
everybody was fit. And and this starting eleven that 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 Mikel Arteta put out there is our best eleven, Kyle. It is. And I looked at this eleven when you texted me, and I said, "We're set. This is this is what our lineup's going to be." That for us, our ideal lineup, we had Ramsdale and goal over Leno, which we were okay with. That was a he's he's what he's four matches, uh, four wins for Ramsdale, I believe now, and. He looks really strong in goal. We'll discuss him more later because of a certain save he made and almost made another one as well. Um, so he started in goal for us, which I was fine with. Uh, then the back line, obviously left back is Tierney. No one's replacing him ever. Uh, center back partnership of Ben White and Gabrielle, which we finally have a center back partnership, Arjun. We finally have one. And and we, we will talk more about that center back partnership as time goes on. But... um. The thing is that that Ben White, um, for for the struggles that he had in the first couple games, looks comfortable now as, alongside Gabrielle and um, Tommy Asu, who you were just about to mention. Oh my God, he is amazing! What a performance! He won the man of the match, and I think that's deserved. Um, and I, I think I probably would have given it to Smith Rowe, but but Tommy Asu having a reliable wing back pairing is so. So freeing. I mean, it, yeah. I mean, obviously, Bellerin had his ups. Bellerin had his downs. But Tomiyasu, to start off this season, has been stellar. He has set in super well. He is a, a, a rock defensively. He's really, really good in the air. And he's looked much better in the attack than I thought he would. And we'll discuss him even more in a little bit. Because there's a reason why he's also looked so good with how we've played. That is a big part of this. That he play, He is the perfect player for this team. That he fits everything perfectly, and we'll discuss him more in a second because he might be my new like go-to man. That for me was it's been Martinelli, might be Tomiyasu now. I am all aboard the hype train for him, uh, and I am so here for that. Because especially because the fact that Spurs were meant to sign him, they signed some other uh, scrub named Emerson instead. Uh, but we got him, and I am so happy. Uh, so that's our back line. Our midfield duo was Granit Xhaka back from his three-match suspension. Finally back mm-hmm. alongside Thomas Partey, fully healthy, fully fit, really, really set to go. Midfield partnership was on point today. Uh, and then up front, Arjun, our, our go-to front four uh, of uh, Smith-Rowe, Odegaard, Saka, and Alba up front. I mean, as we've said, Pepe and Martinelli can come in, but any of the, any of the six, as long as Odegaard and Saka are and probably Alba are in there, and Smith Rowe now. Smith Rowe has played exceptionally. And, yep. I don't know. I don't think I'd change anybody out right now. So, like it's so, on form. so that's a that's a good time to segue into talking about what actually happened in the in the match. So, early on, Arsenal were completely dominant in possession. I believe we had seventy percent possession in the first half an hour of the game, and so the first goal was set up by Bukayo Saka. Essentially, he he picked up the ball on the right hand side, did a couple stepovers on Sergio Regulon, who had a horrific defensive game. And people I, I, said he was as good as Kieran Tierney. And and ha. that's that's just that's I mean, it, it, all it took was watching this game to know that Kieran Tierney is a better footballer than Sergio Regulon. And and Regulon was really poor defensively on on uh, the first and uh, the the second goals as well. Yeah. And so he, Saka yeah. Saka delivers a, a low cross into the area. The 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 penalty spot is is wide open. There is nobody there. Smith Rowe really good instincts to take up the spot in there. Tidy finish. I was losing it. I mean, I I did not expect us to come out playing that well. I came into this one thinking I I'll, I'll be fine if we get points. 
uh, because because with how we're playing Tottenham, I feel um, the lineup that they put out there could have been better. But uh, I mean, a front three of Son, Kane, and Lucas is still stronger than the front four that we have. So. Um, especially even with Harry Kane's struggles this season, which continued into this one. So besides that, I, I really think how we were able to exploit Tottenham's poor defensive stature really helped us in this one. So Smithrow got the first goal. Yeah, as he did. And again, he got the first goal, and then that was the 12th minute of the match. We scored again a total of 15 minutes later. It was Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, the striker we all know and love who struggled early this season, struggled late last season, he got himself another goal, Arjun. And and I, I tweeted it out um, after at, at halftime when you know there was a goal video on Twitter. This goal is why I fell in love with this club. This this kind of play. Uh, Xhaka, I mean, Ramsdale almost gave the ball away to, to Hoiberg. Xhaka sort of, sort of um, shields him away. Tottenham wanted a foul. It was nowhere close to a foul. Xhaka progressive passes up to Tierney. Tierney inside to Smith Rowe. Um, I believe it actually was Xhaka. It went to, it, it was, from Tierney to yeah, Alba. Yeah, Tierney to Aubameyang, who does a sublime flick to Smith Rowe. And then Smith Rowe out on that left side has just been playing so well. He drifts into those spaces so incredibly effortlessly. I think Smith Rowe as a left winger is really good. I think Arteta in the future would like to employ Smith Rowe and Odegaard as two number eights, which I think would also work really well. But Smith Rowe out on the left was was stellar. Cuts it back to Aubameyang. When Aubameyang shot this, it looked like he scuffed it. It, it reminded me of uh, of a Lacazette goal in the North London derby uh, a year, uh, two where years he earlier. Was, where he slipped and then curled to the bottom it. corner. Yeah, he scuffed it, hit the post and went in. This reminded me a lot of that. And and when that ball, I was not expecting that ball to go in. When it went in, I lost it again. And then seven minutes later, uh, Harry Kane assists us on a nice Bukayo Saka weak he, foot finish. He got himself a goal contribution. What can and, you say? Harry and, Kane's the great guy. And I mean, uh, after we went up 3-0, it was just euphoria. I don't think I've ever felt like that as an Arsenal fan, especially with how the first three games of the season went. It's a North London derby in the Emirates, a game that I didn't expect to really dominate like this. After that third goal, I mean, uh, you heard Arlo White say it on the broadcast. This is footballing nirvana for Arsenal fans, and and it it it, it that's legitimately what it felt like. Um, the second half obviously went into a more game management type of role. It's hard to keep up that intensity for an entire ninety minutes. Arsenal didn't need to in the end. Uh, would have liked to keep a clean sheet, as I'm sure the entire defense and Aaron Ramsdale would have been thinking to themselves as well. Youngman's son getting his his requisite goal contribution and, in the 79th minute. And even his goal contribution, Ramsdale almost saved it. That he got a full hand to it and tr- almost parried it away, but it was just way too powerful. And it, it went into the top corner after, off of Ramsdale's hand. And you can't blame him for the goal. He almost saved it and almost got a clean sheet from it. And then, I mean, one more time for Aaron Ramsdale, for the Ram Ramsdale fans in the back here, uh, the 90th minute, 90 plus, I believe. Yeah. Uh, Lucas gets the ball on the right side, drifts into the middle, uh, and for some weird deflections, and he curls a sh- shot, and it looks like it's going either way wide or he scuffed it poorly. That it looks almost weird to see, and it it starts curling, and you see Ramsdale who's slightly off his line. 
like drifting, drifting, and he takes one big leap and like jumping, almost like walking on the air, and taps it the slightest bit from going over his head off the crossbar and saves it. And it was a majestic save. And that right that that right there is is why we bought him. I mean, Leno is a is a fantastic shot stopper, as we know, but but with the ball at his feet. Um, every everything that Ramsdale did in this game with the ball at his feet, you know, barring the the pass that Hoiberg almost intercepted, he just looks so much more comfortable, and and he's he's locked down that number one role, and just from just three games in, he's done that for himself, so really really good football from him, and I mean looking at this side, there is not a single player that put in a bad performance. That is, there is not a yeah. single player. That put in anything less than an above average performance. Agreed. Everyone, that everyone earned a B or better. Everyone was outstanding. I mean, my man of the match match goes to Smith Rowe just because of how dynamic he is. But Martin Odegaard, man, I cannot believe he's an Arsenal player. It's oh, just he's he is he's a just beautiful player. He fits so well with what this team is trying to do, and he's so good at the link up play and finding the passes. Martin Odegaard is. Is is quickly becoming my favorite player on this team, and and I mean I, I can't say anything else. I mean Spurs looked really poor. Uh, credit to Regulon, he got the assist on the goal for Son, but he had a really poor defensive performance. Deli Alley hasn't had a good performance for years. Who? <laughs> uh, Eric Dyer is not a good player. Hoybjerg um, obviously really impressive last season. Not much he could do. But he was on his own in that but, midfield. But it yes, was him that, against a. Full squad of Arsenal players, and and that midfield, that that Spurs midfield was giving the ball away far too much, and, and, and that's that's sort of the difference between a player like Ndombele and a player like Partey. Partey was stellar, controlling that midfield so so well. Partner alongside Jaka, delivering those passes. I don't think barely any giveaways, as opposed to Ndombele, who was giving the ball away left and right. Yeah, and you were talking about how you wanted Odegaard and Smith-Rowe to play kind of as that dueling eights up front. And that's the most, like, like based on how Arsenal played in the match, uh, a tweet was sent out, I believe it was by AFC James, I think. Uh, and it was an image of how Arsenal played in the first half. And the formation was generally a 3-5-2. Basically, or three a 3-2-4-1, I should probably say. Basically, what we've been kind of calling out to happen, which was Gabriel Benoit and Tomiyasu as center backs, and then midfield duo of Xhaka and Partey kind of uh, just beyond, just outside of Benoit, but obviously the midfield, and then a attacking four across the line of Tierney, Smithrow, Odegaard, Saka, and then Alba ahead of them. That's basically how we lined up, which was really perfect. I mean, there, as you said, there was nothing that went wrong or could have gone wrong with how we lined up. That Tomiyasu, the reason he got man of the match is because he plays as a center back right back for us. That is exactly what he does. That is what he we bought him to do, and he does it perfectly. That you put him as a right back, and when you're defending, to back four. It works perfectly. Him, White, Gabrielle, and Tierney, back four, perfect, set, go. But Tierney, as we know, loves to go forward because that is what he is great at. That is he he can make us an assist a game and I would not be mad at it ever. Um so he goes forward, Tomiyasu slots in as a center back on the right side of that back three. All of a sudden, he has less responsibility as a center back, 
Analyst Spots is right back because he has help from Partey in the midfield, help from Saka on the right, and he's there with Ben White behind him too. So they all shift together. So it makes it really easy for him. And then as soon as he, he comes back offensively, he goes to right back to you need to left back, and it works flawlessly. Yes, totally agree, uh, Kyle. And I think I think what is so good about having it be that fluid is that going forward now, when when we when Arteta inevitably switches into that four three three that he wants his team to go into. It can be a similar premise, right? Tierney can go up and join Smithrow and Odegaard in the midfield. Partey can be the anchor in that midfield as well, and Tomiyasu can slot as well in, in into that that you know back three sort of role. So, you know, tactics were perfect. Mikel Arteta has been doing a really good job in the last few weeks, doing what he needs to do. The game against Burnley was a was wasn't a great performance, but obviously all Odegaard needed to do was get that free kick, and then Arsenal would have held on. Burnley had a few chances here and there, but this really is the difference. I I think the the first three games of the season were were this team was this team just begging for the transfer window to end and begging for that clear out. Begging for the players to come in that needed to fill the roles. Since the international break, this has been a completely different side. Oh, it has been a different side. And we've now had, as we said earlier, the exact flip of what Spurs had. We had the inverse. Spurs won the first three, lost our next three. We lost our, we lost our first three, won our next three. And the next match we have coming up, and we'll preview it later on, is against Brighton. Uh Coming up on Saturday the 2nd, uh, 12.30 p.m. kickoff here uh, on the East Coast of America. And Brighton, I believe, Arjun, uh, drew their match today. Yeah, Brighton Brighton had a chance to go top of the table. This is a team that has been really, really good. Brighton, obviously, last year, fifth in the XG table. This year, they've been, they've been uh, overperforming their XG. They haven't been creating that much, but they've been finishing really well. So that's why they're up in the table. So they they had a chance to go top. They drew to Palace, which then makes them sixth. But obviously Brighton is always a really difficult matchup for us. And that'll be an interesting one to see how we follow up against uh, after the win against Tottenham. And Arjun, I also want to note something for you real quick. Uh, where in the table do we now sit? Uh, we're 10th, the top half now. And on how many points? Nine. Nine points. Okay. Who is below us in the table, by any chance? Do you know? Oh, that would be Spurs. Oh, that would interesting. Be Spurs. They're what, 11th place then? Yeah. Huh. You're totally so, correct. So what I'm hearing is that Tottenham Hotspur, the team that is clearly running London, and London's white and all of that hullabaloo, all that baloney, they're below us in the table after six matches. Yeah, and 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 before before the international break, Arsenal was the club in disarray. Now you could very much argue that it's Tottenham because Harry Kane, number one, doesn't look like he wants to be there. He doesn't and, look like he wants to be there. He hasn't scored a goal. And, he doesn't look like he's going to score a goal either. And and Harry Kane is Mister September. That that's what he does. He he. I think the month that he scored the most Premier League goals in is September. Uh, Harry Kane has never been Mister August. He's always struggled in the first part of the season. But he picks it up in the second phase. And the second phase, he hasn't picked it up. Uh, the second concern is the managing. I mean, uh, Nuno put in a great managerial performance in the first match. Since then, it's been average. And and in this case, very much less than average. And this Spurs team looks like a cross between Mourinho's Spurs and Pacha's Spurs. 
It looks like the two of them have the have both ideas combined, and it's just not meshing. You're putting a circle into a square hole, and that does not work, and Nuno is not really changing anything, and that's just not a feasible like thing to do. And so I'm... I realistically like Spurs are probably in a worse place than we are. And it was and discussed yes. on the podcast. Uh, I forget who it was that said Arsenal realistically have a game plan. They've backed Arteta. They understand we're going young. We bought six players who are all under 24. We bought them all. We're going young. And Spurs have no clue what they want to do. They bought Emerson who's turning on the bench. And that's exactly why neither of us, me or you, Kyle, overreacted after the first three Arsenal losses. Obviously, it felt terrible. Oh, it was be, awful. It felt awful to be completely at the bottom of the table. You had fans screaming Arteta out. You had fans, you had pundits, uh, people who don't know much about Arsenal, saying that this team is now in a relegation fight. After three matches, Kyle, there's 38 in a season. So that first loss to Brentford, obviously that's a game you should win, right? against a newly promoted club playing their first game in the Premier League. But now Brentford are proving themselves to be more than that. They, they could have. They played Liverpool, and they almost beat Liverpool. They, they drew 3-3 against Liverpool. They they have put in some good performances this year. Arguably their worst performance of the year, uh, not arguably, their worst performance of the year was against Brighton when they wa- lost 1-0. Brighton, a very good team. Drew Palace 0-0. Palace, a very good team. Drew Villa, a good team, 1-1. Beat Wolves 2-0. I mean, this Brentford Brentford team is no joke. So, I mean, everyone overreacting about that first one. The second game, obviously, was against Chelsea. The team looked really poor there. The team looked really poor against City. But again, two of the best teams in the world. So, all of the overreactions after the first three games, we can't repeat it here. Right, Kyle? That's what I was telling you before. This match against Tottenham, some of the best Arsenal football we've seen in a little bit. But we can't go into it thinking that we will replicate this all the time. No, so agreed. we have we we still have to temper our expectations. Again, we we I trust Arteta to put in the best sides going forward. But you can't play your best eleven every game. Agreed. That means players like Pepe will have to get involved in a system that may not fit as well for him. Like we've seen Pepe uh, on that right side. I don't know how he's going to work with Tomiyasu, very we'll honestly, yeah. because because Pepe thrives when there's an overlapping run, and Tomiyasu has shown that he can get involved in the attack. But that may come from even Martin Odegaard. Martin yeah. Odegaard could give that run, or whoever it is on the right side as that cam could give that run to him. He could play yep. behind him and go in. Like, exactly, and there so is a lot of movement that can happen. We are we are going to have to see squad rotation. We can't have Partey and Jaka there in the middle. El Nani is going to have to play a little. Lokanga bit. can play. I am yeah. so happy about that because I. Actually, trust him to play in the midfield. I agree, <laughs> and and you know, um, Gabriel and White will try and play every Premier League game, but fitness will be a factor. Pablo Marie will have to play a little bit. Rob Kieran Holding Tierney, can play Tierney. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, uh, at that right back spot, we have a lot of depth. But the thing is, when squad rotation comes in, this next match against Brighton is going to be extremely important because Brighton, obviously, a team you can't underestimate, and number two, a team that Arsenal are better than on paper. And after this match, we go into the international break, too. So there is a bit of a two-week gap to kind of relax and take a breath and take a breather. Um, but I, as you said, would expect some rotation somewhere, possibly. We'll have to wait and see on that one, uh, especially with Xhaka and how he got hurt at the end of the match. And we'll have to yeah, kind of and then Yeah, we didn't see. mention that Xhaka. I mean, Arteta said that the Xhaka injury wasn't looking good. So we really yeah. hope he's okay. I mean, when I saw Xhaka in the lineup, and Xhaka obviously... 
I, I think nobody put in a bad performance, but if I had to give a worst performance, I would give it to Jaka. But his was uh, for Jaka, it was a good it, performance. It was a great performance. And, and I mean, I've been seeing a lot of stuff over the last week. This fan base is utterly divided on Jaka. You have people saying he is the best regista in the entire Premier League. You have people saying Jaka is world class. And you have people saying Jaka should never see the pitch again. So, I mean, Jaka, his, his inclusion in the team is always going to be questioned. I questioned it a little bit because how are you going to have a guy that gets a red and a three-match ban and stick him right back into the team for a North London derby? Like, uh, uh, neat, I, I guess before I was a little skeptical, I don't know if Lukonga is ready for that big moment yet. That's yeah. the thing. I think that's the thing so is that I, he's I not really, ready. Elneny's yeah, not good exactly. enough. Yep. That I think Xhaka, also him being as fiery as he is, it kind of makes for a perfect storm of he's back, he wants to like break somebody, so he's going to have fun doing what he wants to do. Um, but that, we'll have to wait and see on Jaka. And something also we said with the overreactions that I kind of want to add to before we discuss the Premier League as a whole is after the third match, we said we have to get through the Spurs match to see where we're at with Arteta. That our thing was if we can get six points, I believe, is what our kind of total was. Six points, he's safe for now. He hit nine points. Three Matches, three victories, nine points, all of them from the next three. So he's fine. You can understand now where he's going with this squad. Tomiyasu is the perfect player for what he wants to play. Him and Tierney are ideal right, are ideal wingbacks, as you said. They are the perfect complement. Because Tomiyasu prefers to stay back. Tierney wants to go forward. Even Xhaka and Partey in the midfield work. Because Xhaka is a very strong defensive player. Partey can defend as well, but wants to create and wants to go forward a little bit with it and play those fun one-twos to players to get them through on goals so they score. It all, the entire squad works. Smith Rowe, Odegaard, as dueling eights, works perfectly. Saka, our star boy, is the best. And Alba wants to poach. That's what he wants to do. And what did he do? He poached. And he actually shot the ball well. It looked like he was actually trying to score goals, which is a positive thing to see. So... Just in general, we're not, we're not overreacting, but we're reacting how we should, which is this is how Arsenal is meant to play. Everyone who said, you look terrible, you look awful for three matches, so you should have taken it with a grain of salt like we did, and, which and was we had injuries, we had players missing left and right, and this is what we're meant to be. And, and Arsenal, before this match, had fielded the youngest average Premier League uh, team at uh, somewhere around 24 years. But this team, even in its youth, looks rejuvenated. This is a new football team. And um, just going back to Aubameyang, this was one of the best performances Aubameyang has had in a while. He looked like he wanted to be on the pitch. He was creating for others. He was creating for himself. Just overall, just so happy to see this club running as a well-oiled machine again. Because, I mean, you you will have, if, if we don't get all three points against Brighton, you will have people saying Arteta out. But even then... The club backed Arteta for a reason. The club spent the most money in Europe this summer for a reason. There is a vision. There is a future with Arteta. We just have to deal with that. And and we're dealing with it fine. Me and you have never really been giant Arteta skeptics. But there always will be people that are. So um, I think this match against Tottenham was stellar. Uh, uh, I would say without the sun goal, perfect. Agreed. 
I didn't have the Sun goal, had the Jaka injury, it would have been a perfect match. There would have been nothing wrong. But a goal happened and Jaka got hurt. So sucks. But outside of that, a flawless match from us. Mm-hmm. Uh now moving on to on though, into the Premier League itself. Uh it was a wild week, and there are some matches we want to discuss specifically. But before we get to those, we're running through some other scores. Uh, so Palace and Brighton, as we said, drew 1-1 today, actually, just before we uh, started filming. Uh, Southampton lost 1-0 to Wolves. Uh, Watford and Newcastle drew 1-1. Leicester and Burnley drew 2-2. Uh, West Ham beat Leeds 2-1. And Everton beat Norwich 2-0. And Arjun, that now leads us to two big matches we want to discuss. And we're starting off with the Champions of Europe against the Champions of England which was the Chelsea City match, which ended, and I'll throw it to you to discuss, 1-0 to City. Yeah, and and I think this shows why City is just the better team. And, I mean, Chelsea didn't have a shot on target in this match. Um, obviously, Lukaku started. Uh, it, this is uh, no Mason Mount, no Kai Havertz for, for Chelsea, um, but this is one of their better lineups. And... Uh, no Ferran Torres for um, for Manchester City. Uh, Phil Foden started up top. But, you know, Gabriel Jesus got the lone goal in the 53rd minute. But besides that, it was all Manchester City. And it was just a, it was a comprehensive performance from them. I think Manchester City is much better equipped for a Premier League run than Chelsea is. But I think Chelsea is more equipped for a Champions League run. Completely so, agree. Just just like it just like it went last year. I mean, Manchester City has the longevity. I think this still will be. I think as time goes on, uh, as the games, as more and more games get played, this is a two horse title race for me. I, I think it is between Chelsea and City because, you know, United obviously Cristiano Ronaldo has been stellar since since uh, coming and playing for United, but they lost to Villa this this week. Uh, a Villa 88th minute goal. Bruno Fernandez missed penalty just about five minutes after that, and, and uh, yeah, it was a it was a performance in Villa United. It was a weird match. United probably I would say played pretty well. So did Villa. It was a very weird match. Neither played amazingly. Neither played poorly. It was a very like back and forth match. Um, and then 88th minute, uh, House, the center back for uh, Villa, scored a header, and it was great to see. It was. Everyone went nuts. It was a corner kick. Everyone went nuts. And then the 90th minute, plus three at the stoppage time, a handball in the box, penalty given to United. And then all of a sudden, all of the shouts from fans, including myself, was, what else are you going to expect? Which is, Pinaldo's coming out. It's going to be Ronaldo. It's going to be Ronaldo. It's going to be Ronaldo. But Bruno Fernandez stepped up to take the penalty because he's their penalty taker. And when it was happening, there was a bunch of players around the uh Penalty spot. Fernandez had the ball. He's placing it down. Ronaldo was kind of standing back a few steps. And Emmy Martinez, the keeper for Villa, and obviously our boy, our Lord and Savior, was pointing at Ronaldo saying, you're taking this, right? It's you. It's you taking this, Ronaldo. You taking this one, right? You, you. Come on, let's, take, let's see you take this. And he was like calling him out. And he was like, I'm, Fernandez has no chance. No chance whatsoever, basically. And Fernandez steps up. And skies it into Rosette. And when he does that, Martinez did the same dance he did for Argentina after a penalty save. He turned around to the crowd into a little samba, a little samba, a little hip thrusting, and then turned back around. And it was the most Ronaldo looked dejected. He was 
angry, and it was it was a wild, wild scene to watch. Yeah, and a really rough week for United. Um, I mean, a, a win against uh, a win against West Ham last week in the Premier League. Um, Ronaldo uh, netted a goal. Lingard got the game winner uh, in the 89th minute. Um, it was a beauty from Lingard as well. And and West Ham then turns around three days later and defeats them in the Carabao Cup. Obviously not Man United's most strong lineup, but the the one thing I wanted to mention from this one is Jaden Sancho disappeared. And then against Villa, I mean, you're not going to win a Premier League title with McTominay and Fred as your defensive midfield. <laughs> nope. <laughs> and, and the fact that United did nothing to address that, while Chelsea were able to go out and get Saul from, from Atletico, I mean, this United team is not built for a Premier League uh, title run right now. I do also want to note uh, Pogba was missing, obviously, from the midfield. Yes. So that that but, that does not help it because he goes in instead of Fred, and that solves probably some of the issues at least. That having him. The thing Fred, is, the thing is, because Fred is a. And I'm going to say this, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but I kind of do. He's not a good player. Uh, he's the equivalent of. I, I'm trying to think of a good Arsenal equivalent. Uh, Hector Bellerin, I'd probably say. That is just like you don't want to see him in the team. When you do, you know it's not going to end well. But every, once every seventy matches, he'll have a goal and it'll be awesome. I'll, but outside of that, garbage. Carl, take it even further than that. I'll say Fred is a Mustafi. Oh, oh, you're going, you're going out there. You're going. I mean, going uh, Bellerin, deep. Bellerin was good for a little bit. I was. Was yeah. Fred ever good? Not for United, no. For yeah. Shakhtar Donetsk, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the thing. But but um, United again, I don't think they're they're really built for a title run. I, I would say Liverpool and their lack of depth. Is really gonna kill them when 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 we when we get to Afcon in January. That's two of their best attackers gone. Yeah. So uh, I don't think Liverpool are built for the title run as well. So again, uh, this has become a two horse race. As you know, we're we're six match days in. Um, still really really early. Still very early. We are a sixth of the way through the season. So you know, there's still a lot of time to see how this unfolds. There's a lot of time to see how this unfolds, a lot of injuries to see what they, how they uh, affect everything. That if, say, Arsenal loses Odegaard, say something else happens wild, that, say, Kane gets tra- transfers to City in January, who knows? A lot can affect the entirety yeah. of the Prem season. But we're discussing Prem Arjun, and, I mean, we, we have to discuss the, the other competition, I guess. The other one, the one we don't care about because we're not in it, you know, the Champions League. Uh, yes. And we're previewing this week's Champions League matches, and Arjun, we'll start with the Tuesday slate of matches, and you saw one of them, and we'll get to that in a second. But the matches, we'll run through the matches that are happening on this Tuesday real quick, and then we'll do Wednesday. So, the Tuesday matches, we have Ajax versus Besiktas, uh, Shakhtar Dunsk, who we were talking about Fred's great club, uh, playing Inter Milan, uh, AC Milan against Atletico Madrid, uh, Borussia Dortmund, uh, my man Erling Holland. Going against Sporting Lisbon, uh, FC Porto against staying in Portugal against Liverpool, uh, RB Leipzig against Club Bruges, uh, Real Madrid versus Sharif uh, Tiraspol, uh, and there's one more match on Tuesday, which might be the most wild match to ever see in a group stage, Arjun. It is, I believe, what our final prediction was. I think this is what we predicted our finals to be, yes. which is the one and only Paris Saint-Germain versus Manchester City. It's happening this Tuesday. And yeah, that's really the standout game from this slate. Uh, looking at it, I, Milan Atletico Madrid could be a good game, but I mean, PSG City, all eyes are going to be on that one because though these were the two clubs that were competing for, for Lionel Messi's signature this, this summer. PSG 
haven't looked that great. Messi's been injured a little bit. He he didn't really feature in in any of PSG's last matches. City obviously playing really well in the Premier League. Uh, they defeated um, Leipzig six to three last uh, last time out in the Champions League, and PSG drew against against Club Bruges, uh, um, the Belgian side. So. This is really a test to see what PSG are made of because we know what City are made of, but this PSG team, a lot of incomings this summer, this is their question mark. This is their their first chance to show on the world stage because, let's be honest, not many people are watching League One uh, in France. So this is their first chance on the world stage to show what kind of team they've become over the summer. So that's that's a match that... Um, th- this match goes beyond football because oh, it it's goes way beyond football because it's it's just it. There's so many storylines, you know. The Pep versus Messi, exactly. And so it, yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be so wild. It, it, I'm very excited for that match. Um, it should be a, a great one to watch. And then Arjun, the Wednesday slate also is pretty good. There's one big match we'll discuss in a second. But again, you've got Atalanta versus Young Boys who beat United last time out. Uh, Zenit St. Petersburg versus Malmo. Bayern Munich versus Dynamo, uh, Dynamo Kiev, uh, Benfica versus Barcelona, uh, who Barcelona, by the way, got Ansu Fati back after nearly a year, and in the 10th minute of him being back, he scored. So shout out to Ansu Fati, who's now wearing the number 10 shirt for Barcelona, which must weigh heavy on his shoulders, if I if I might say. Absolutely, and and we we know how how heavy it weighed on Messi's shoulders back back when he got it because it was Ronaldinho passing it down. So, but so now Ansu it's, Fati, it's a double. It's Ronaldinho and Messi to yeah, him. Ansu it's Fati <laughs> is a worthy recipient of that number ten. Um, yeah, I, I think he is going to be one of the best players in the world very very soon. So uh, let's hope he stays healthy. Uh, this Barcelona team, obviously, in in the in La Liga, so many question marks um, around uh, this Barcelona team. Obviously, with with the financial situation, with Ronald Koeman, uh, with injuries as well. Um, they're currently bottom of the group after one match played. They lost uh, handily to Bayern, three yeah, 0 to Bayern. So this match against Benfica is big because you know Benfica, obviously, a club that that can do some damage. Um, the other game I think you were uh, gearing up to talk about, um, Juventus versus Chelsea. Yes, a match of two teams that have had a very, uh, Juventus have had a very rough start to the Serie A season. Chelsea, obviously not a rough start in the Prem, a very strong start for them here uh, in England. But that's the match to watch on uh, match day two on the Wednesday. And, and another match to watch on Wednesday, you know, rematch of the Europa League final last year, Man United versus Villarreal. Uh, Man United obviously want to get that revenge on Villarreal. Plus, I mean, United have had two straight losses. Um, three, uh, not three straight, but they, they lost last uh, time out to Young Boys in, in match day one. So three points is critical for United here. If they don't get all three points, they're suddenly finding themselves in a little bit of a hole. Yeah. And the last match after that, you've got FC Salzburg versus Lille. Uh, you've got uh, and VFL Wolfsburg versus Sevilla. Uh, so a very, very jam-packed uh, second week of Champions League matches, and we're so excited to have them back. If any goals catch our eye, we will put them out on the Twitter at Pod. Uh, if, say, Messi scores against City, we might have to chuck a tweet up there. Who knows? Uh, and then, Arjun, I mean, we may as well wrap it up with one more one more thing, which is the Arsenal preview of our match against Brighton. What better way to wrap it up than an Arsenal preview? And 
This match, as we've said multiple times throughout this podcast so far, it's it's a bit of, again, similar to what we said going into that Brentford match, it's a bit of a trap game, it feels like. That Brent that normally you'd see Brighton and go, we should hammer them like 7-0, easy peasy, lemon Fabrizi. But in all honesty, Brighton have played really well this season, and but we're climbing back at the right time. So whose form is going to take it? We don't know, but we'll have to see. And and Brighton have played stellar football this season so far. They um, Their only loss of the season is to Everton, a 2-0 loss back on August 28th. But, you know, they, they had a chance to go top of the table today, Kyle. Uh, Neil Mopé's, uh, you know, last gasp equalizer got them a point out of that one. But Palace are a team that um, have have started to play a little better too. Obviously, that three 0 win against Tottenham, they're only one on the season so far. But uh, Brighton is always a trap game for Arsenal. It seems to be the trap game for Arsenal. It Obviously, we is. remember we remember that um, back in lockdown. Um, you know, Neil Mopé scoring that that 90th minute winner against us, and and you know, pretty much ending Genduzi's Arsenal career. So. Uh, this is important too. We're four points back of Brighton. A win would certainly cement us in the top half of the table, which is where we want to stay. Because I think now that this team is coming together, this team is in the running for top six, Kyle. Yeah, we finally have hope. But we're not going to take that hope too far. We're going to take it with a grain of salt. Again, six matches. We had three rough runs, three good ones. We'll have to kind of see how that pans out. But as you said, out of the last five matches against Brighton, we have two wins, two draws, and or two wins, two defeats, and one draw. So that's as even know, as it can get. Yeah, as even as you could possibly be. That we have scored a total of uh, six goals. Brighton have scored a grand total of five goals. So we have the goal differential to them. Not saying a lot though. Um, and I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm very nervous. Uh, as we know, we are we tend to have a little bit of a uh, against them, uh, and their team has looked decent. Their main goal threat, as we said, Neil Mope, he's their main guy. Pascal Gross in the midfield, the German, is going to be their main uh, threat to cross the ball in from free kicks from everything. So we'll have to see. It also is away at the Amex, uh, so that is going to be a part of this as well. Um, Arjun. We'll start with the squad prediction. How do you think we're going to line up? Realistically, the same 4-2-3-1 as we usually do, I would probably guess, is how we'll line up. So give me your give me your lineup you think we're going to line up with today. Uh, yeah, I, I think we're going to make... Um, ooh, it's tough to call. I think we're going to make one change from, one change from Tottenham. I think Lukonga is going to be in for Xhaka because Xhaka's yeah. hurt. If we make another change, um, I think Pepe will start if we make another change. But if not... Um, I think we just stick to our guns. This game is, we obviously have a week of rest in between no midweek football, so this team will be fully rested. If we want to play um, our best team, our best 11 again, we can, uh, besides Jaka. So I, I think this team will be largely unchanged. It's the last game before the international break, so why not? Yeah, Against a really well. good Brighton team, put out your best 11 again. Yeah, and I think, agreed, again, is going to start over Jaka. I think is the biggest one. Pepe or Martinelli might come into the starting lineup for one of the front three somewhere, uh, Odegaard, Smith-Rowe, or Saka. One of the three is going to be dropped for one of them, most likely. And the other change I could see happening, possibly, would be Leno for Ramsdale if he wants to give him a run now. Uh, it's, that one, I think, we're happy either way with one of them. 
but yeah. preferably Ramsdale with how the team wants to play. But if Leno's in goal, we're not mad at it. I think that's kind of how this yeah, is coming down. Uh, it's like, it's what happened with Emmy Martinez when he started playing really well. That either way, if one of them's in goal, we don't really care because we trust they're going to do what we need them to do. But Ramsdale fits better with the system, as we've now said. Uh, but either way, I'm happy. Uh, whatever we can do, as long as he doesn't screw it up big time, I'm fine with this. Yeah, and the, and the rumor mill is that Leno, obviously, being benched for um, a younger guy, someone who was just brought in, is unhappy. Yeah, so, obviously. I would, so, be, I would I mean, be unhappy, too, if my job was taken for no reason. So, yeah, <laughs> I think I think Leno, there were some there were some reports that, you know, there was an agreement that, that Ramsdale would start the matches against Burnley and Norwich as long as Leno started got to start in the North London Derby, and then he didn't start in the North London Derby. Yep. So, We'll have to see what the goalkeeping situation is. It's obviously emerging as Ramsdale starts to play better and better and better. Uh, I'd like to see more of Aaron Ramsdale, see what he's made of against a, a good Brighton team. Um, so we'll go into score predictions. Um, I, I think uh, I think this is a really evenly matched uh, matchup because you know this Brighton team is is certainly talented. They've got a lot of quality all over the pitch. I love Eves Basuma. I wish he was in an Arsenal jersey. Um, I'm gonna say one-one. Uh, I, I think, um, I, I think that the performance we put against Tottenham is sustainable. Um, I, I don't think that first half performance is sustainable because uh, seeing a team come come out like that with that much energy really can only happen at home in a derby. Agreed. Um, I, I don't think any team can come out with that much intensity week in week out. Um, but I believe Brighton will also bring the heat, so I'm going to say 1-1. I'm going to give our goal to Alba. Giving our goal to Alba, 1-1. I'm going to be more optimistic. I think we will win 2-1. I do think Brighton will score first, whether it's Mope or a defender like Duffy or somebody scoring. Uh, we'll have to see on whoever it is for them. And then I think our two will come in the second half, like 48th minute, and then one like 60, 70 somewhere. Uh, I think... Personally, whoever starts at Cam, whether it's Odegaard or Smith Rowe, whoever's that main number eight in the four-two-three-one, will get one of the goals. I think the second one will come from one of the fullbacks. I would love it to be Tomiyasu to get his first Arsenal goal because that would be awesome to see. Uh, and Twitter would explode if he did in a good way Definitely. because Twitter has taken a love to Tomiyasu. I don't know. It's really hard to dislike the guy. With, it is. With, he's awesome. With, with how his attitude has been, with how well he's been playing. And and speaking of attitude, I, I did want to mention earlier, I mean, the one thing Ramsdale brings is intensity, is that fire. He's, yeah. he's firing up that defense. Uh, there was a clip I just saw of Ramsdale getting really hype, and then Gabriel just joining in. Yeah. I mean, uh, Gabriel just like seeing that energy, telling his defense to pick it up. Gabriel is the leader of that defense. Ramsdale is slowly becoming the leader of that defense, manning all of them as a unit. So that's, I think, what Ramsdale has brought a lot. I love his passion. I love his fire. And obviously, his his actual gameplay has, has backed that up as well. Oh, big time. Uh, so I'm going 2-1. I'm going uh, wing back and then a cam. I'm going to probably, I'll go with Odegaard and Tomiyasu to score goals this weekend. Great. Two of the quote-unquote newcomers to the squad. Uh, that will do it, though, Arjun. Uh, for this episode of the Going Going Gooner podcast, episode 47, part two. Check out episode 47, part one, where we're going to discuss all things New Orleans Saints, their big victories, their big Jameis Winston dubs this past week. Uh, we'll have to check out that episode to hear us talk more about the Saints. And next week, 
We will discuss all things Brighton versus Arsenal, how that match went, discuss some Champions League, and give ourselves a little bit of a break heading in to the international window uh, for the international play that's going to happen in our June for myself, from you. It's been a very, very good week. We're both smiling. We're back in studio. Mike's in front of us having a great time. And hope you listeners have a great time as well. For myself and Marjun, we are signing out.